of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked in with your host, Brent McGuire. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is one of the best tasting protein bars on the market right now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. In today's episode, we're going to take a comprehensive look at the entire Angels minor league farm system, take a look back at where they've been at over the last 10 years or so, kind of wrap it up into where they're at today and what we can expect going forward. But before diving into today's episode, a couple housekeeping things. As a reminder, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at BMAGS94. You can find my written work at Crashing the Pearly Gates. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to download, subscribe, rate, and review the Locked on Angels podcast on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Happy Wednesday. Before diving into this look at the Angels minor league system, I did want to touch on one thing. So this episode is coming out on Wednesday morning, which means the non-tender deadline is in roughly 10 hours or so, give or take. So for those who are not familiar with this concept, whoever is eligible for arbitration needs to be tendered a contract, or at the very least, they need to come to the basis of an agreement. And if they can't come up with the exact figure, the two sides will try to figure out via arbitration. But yeah, so in about 10 hours, there are 11 players that need to be tendered a contract by the Angels or they run the risk of becoming a free agent. So this will kind of be the bulk of Thursday's episode. So I don't want to get too much into it, but I did at least want to give fans the notice of what to expect. So the 11 players that need to be tendered contracts are Justin Anderson, Matt Andrees, Dylan Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Mike Myers, Keenan Middleton, Shohei Otani, Felix Pena, Noe Ramirez, Hansel Robles, and Max Stassi. So a lot of these guys are obvious no-brainers. Dylan Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Mike Myers, Shohei Otani, and Max Stassi are almost certainly going to get a contract. The other guys, maybe not so much. So I would keep tabs on guys like Matt Andres, Hansel Robles, uh, Noe Ramirez. These guys, it might be tough just because the environment's a little different this offseason. The Angels need really every dollar they can possibly have to go out and fix their pitching staff. And a lot of these guys just didn't really move the needle all that much for the team. So keep an eye out for those guys on Wednesday. And then on Thursday's episode, we will take a more comprehensive look at some of these players. But with that being said, we're going to take a look at the Angels minor league system. And my goal is to spend the first part of this podcast kind of looking at the last 10 years or so and really looking back all the way to the glory days for the Angels. And then for the second half, we're going to really just specifically touch on where the system is right now, what's going to happen with a new GM in place, and all of the uncertainty around minor league baseball. So I want to kick this off with just this obvious statement that it's been a rocky time for the Angels farm system and the results it's produced over the last decade or so. You look, you go back to that 2009 draft. That was a historic draft, not just for the Angels, but it's one of the best drafts in Major League Baseball history. That draft produced Mike Trout, Garrett Richards, Tyler Skaggs, 
Patrick Corbett. Since that point, the Angels have seen a massive decline in their ability to draft, acquire, develop all of their players. And from the mid or the early mid 1990s all the way through the first decade of the 21st century, there were very few teams who could match what the Angels did in terms of producing talent and success at the major league level. This was headed by Bill Stoneman, former GM who really just built built a powerhouse unit in Anaheim. So the basis for that title team in 2002 was actually built before Stoneman took on the GM role, but after they won the title, he really was a big reason why they were able to continue their success after 2002 through the draft, trades, international signings, all of that kind of stuff. And you look at what they did from 2002 to 2009. They win a World Series in 2002. They made it to three ALCS appearances, five division titles. And it's no coincidence that the club has yet to win a playoff game since their glory days ended in game six of the 2009 ALCS. So this organization philosophy kind of started to shift in the second decade of the century. So Bill Stoneman was out as GM after the 2007 season. He's still around today, but he's more in a special assistant role. So Tony Reagans takes over in 2008. And this was the time when the Angels started to prioritize the short term much more so than the long term. So you look at some of the trades that started to happen and maybe in hindsight, we can kind of ridicule these trades a little bit more. At the time, some of them were deemed really good trades for the Angels, but they were definitely emphasizing the short term. So you have the Mark Teixeira trade in the middle of 2008. Totally fine trade. Things are okay. The following season, the Scott Casimir trade mid-season. Okay, quality pitcher who was kind of at that point had a rough season, but you were expecting a bounce back from him. The following season, the Angels are not playing well. It's looking like a down season, but... They still go out, trade for Dan Heron, give up a bunch of prospects. And then that offseason, that's where things, I think, started to shift in a negative direction. And that is the Vernon Wells trade. And it was pretty clear that the organization was receiving guidance on, you know, what to do from their top man, Angels owner, Artie Moreno. So it's really difficult to gauge how much blame goes to any of the GMs. But in any case... The Angels regressed in a big way from 2010 through 2011. They missed the playoffs in consecutive years for the first time in over a decade. And then Tony Reagans was fired after the 2011 season. And the Angels bring in Jerry Depoto, And he almost immediately embraces that short-term spending craze that really dominated the Angels for the last decade. One day in December, invest a combined $325 million to Albert Pujols and CJ Wilson, giving up two very high draft picks in the process. So they have a slow start, 2012. It was saved by the emergence of Mike Trout just coming up and being the best player in baseball right away. But the team was playing catch up. So that forced them to go out the deadline, trade for Zach Grinky in a trade that sent Gene Segura and some other prospects out. The following offseason, Josh Hamilton signed, another high draft pick, lost. They raid the ship in 2014, win 98 games, and they get their first homegrown player, Mike Trout, to win an MVP award for the Angels. 
Yes, they get swept in the playoffs, but it was a change, of course, for the Angels. It's the last time they've been to the playoffs, and things started to look a little murkier after that. So you look at where they were after 2014, and other than the fact that Mike Trout was locked up through 2020, this was an organization that was heading the wrong way in terms of roster construction, the pipeline for the farm system, just disregarding draft picks, spending internationally, and a payroll that was just exploding. So they missed the playoffs by one game in 2015, but I think the bigger thing from that season was Jerry Depoto leaves in the middle of the season. It's pretty clear that there are some issues going on in the organization, and that offseason, new GM, Billy Epler, comes into the fold, and it was just a rough situation for the Angels. You're looking at a team that had an inflated payroll, the worst team in baseball. You had four players who were just not performing. Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton, Jared Weaver, CJ Wilson. And they were all going to make a combined $100 plus million that year. So you look at what Billy Epler had to do in that time. And he was tasked with not only competing at the major league level, but he had to turn around an organization that had no farm system, no flexibility with their spending. And it did appear that things were turning around after a couple of rough years in 2016 and 2017. It looked like there was this trajectory that the Angels were possibly heading towards winning some baseball games again in 2018. So that time you get Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, Griffin Canning through the draft. You sign two-way Japanese superstar Shohei Otani. They lose the payroll in some of those bigger contracts to Josh Hamilton, CJ Wilson, Jared Weaver. And I mean, even beyond that, they started to invest in the international market a little more beyond Shohei Watani. They signed Kevin Maiton, a couple other prospects who were released in the uh, aftermath of the Atlanta Braves scandal. So you're heading into 2018 and it looks like there's some optimism around the Angels farm system, the future of the team, and they start 13-3, and team's looking good, Shohei Otani's looking like a certifiable stud, and since that point, things have plummeted. The Angels have finished under 500 in the last five seasons, Billy Epler was fired at the end of the season, and the Angels find themselves in a semi-familiar spot of not having the best farm system to produce talent in the long term, and now new GM Perry Manassian is going to have to figure out how to get this farm system to where it needs to be at. Coming up here in a bit, we're going to take a dive into the specifics of the Angels minor league farm system, some of the guys to look out for, and the overall state of where they're at. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market right now. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than it's ever been before. With 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors such as caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake, Built Bars are absolutely delicious. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they are soft and easy to chew. Most importantly, Built Bars are healthy. Bars are great for the health conscious guy or gal. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and they work for any kind of diet, including the keto diet. And... For a limited time, you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So what are you waiting for? Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON. 
for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Coming up on Locked on Angels this week on Thursday's episode, we will take a look at some of the non-tenders from around baseball and who the Angels decided to tender contracts to for the arbitration eligible players. So now we're going to dive into the specifics of the Angels farm system as it currently stands. So as we touched on before, things have been very rocky for the Angels and you do have to give previous GM Billy Epler some credit. He was able to turn it around in terms of the farm system, was able to make the most of some of those higher draft picks, getting Shohei Otani, all of those kind of things. Got them going in the right direction to an extent, but the farm system is not looking great right now. So after Joe Adele graduated from prospect status, the system took a really big hit. So at midseason, before Joe Adele was uh, graduated from prospect status, MLB.com had the Angels farm system as the 21st best in baseball. With the Adele promotion, we're now looking at a team that's probably in the bottom five, and that's a familiar spot. And, you know, after entering the 2018 season with prospects like Otani, Adele, and Canning, the system has become increasingly thin. It's not quite at the level it was at in 2015, 2016, when Billy Epler took it over. But, you know, the issue isn't necessarily the top level guys. You'd expect there to be some drop off when you're promoting guys like Otani, Adele, Canning, even other guys, Jaime Berea, Jose Suarez, Luis Renjifo, Matt Theis. These were all decent to good prospects. You promote all these guys, you expect to have a little bit of a fall off in terms of your farm system. But the problem is there just is not a lot of depth in this system. You've got a couple of blue chip prospects at the top that are probably going to be contributors at the major league level or impact regulars in some sort of fashion. But this system is looking very thin, especially at the upper level of the minors. And given the current environment of minor league baseball and the shrinking number of lower level affiliates, this actually might force many of these younger prospects who are in the lower levels, they might be going up a level or two because of where things are at right now. But now I want to dive specifically into some of the individual players in this farm system. I kind of want to separate them out by putting them in different categories. So the first one or first category we're going to look at is the blue chip prospects. So these are the guys that almost certainly are going to be major leaguers and making an impact in some sort of fashion. And there's an outside shot for these two guys to be stars or very good regulars. So first guy, Brandon Marsh. So if you look at the prospect rankings, he's top 75 at every major outlet. He comes in uh, the high mark at Fangraphs. He's number 30 right now at Fangraphs. They are really, really big on Marsh. So if you're an Angels fan, you've probably followed him and Adele kind of at the same time. Those guys have been going up, you know, similar levels, made similar trajectories. Marsh might not have quite the upside of a Joe Adele, but he's a really, really good prospect. If you're asking like my opinion on him, I think he's got a real shot at being an everyday center fielder, above average defense at the position. He's got good bat-to-ball skills, good power that started to grow. They've kind of tinkered with this swing a little bit in the minor leagues to really good benefit. And he's a very well-rounded player. I I think he's going to be one of those guys that's not necessarily great in any one area, but is going to do well 
pretty much in every area across the board, and that might make him underrated in prospect circles, but I think there's a lot to like here. I think there is a really good chance that he's going to be an above average major league player in center field, and that's kind of the dilemma. So if Brandon Marsh is not traded this offseason, which, you know, could potentially happen based on the needs for the Angels, but if he does stick around, I I think he's better defensively in center field right now than Mike Trout is, and that is a very difficult situation. Honestly, I think Trout's going to be moving off of center field in the next couple of years, whether it's Brandon Marsh pushing him off or Jordan Adams pushing him off, who we will touch on here in a little bit. But yeah, big fan of Brandon Marsh. I'm very interested to see what's going to happen this offseason. If the club doesn't feel like they want to move Joe Adele, that it's too early to overreact to that, but they still want to go out and make one of those big trades. Marsh is their best guy that's available. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, what direction they go in, but Marsh is a very, very good prospect. Next guy I want to look at is Reed Detmers, the first round pick for the Angels in the 2020 draft. Probably their second best prospect at this point. Very strong starting pitching prospect, was a really high quality starter at the University of Louisville. And this is just a pretty straightforward package. It's He's probably a mid-rotation guy, throws a good amount of strikes, Decent fastball. It's roughly average on the velocity scale. Very, very good curveball. That's the pitch that is going to be a real weapon at the major league level. And decent changeup. Good command. It's not a incredibly exciting profile, but I think there's a number three, number four starter in there somewhere. And he's a guy that might be able to make it up in 2021. I would expect that he'll be up as a full-time MLB starter the following season. So we're probably looking at a 2022 ETA, but this guy's going to be fun to watch. There was something that popped up recently on Twitter. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Pitching Ninja, but he voted Reed Detmer's curveball as the best pitch in college baseball from the condensed 2020 season. But yeah, he's very clearly the best pitcher in this farm system right now. If you look at prospect rankings, he gets up as high as number 75 on MLB pipeline. So not quite the prospect that Brandon Marsh is, but still a very quality prospect nonetheless. And I would expect him to be making some noise at the end of this season. And the last, I would say blue chip prospect guy to talk about is Jordan Adams. And this is a bit of a more risky profile for me, but I feel like I'm one of the higher people on him and I just love what he brings. I think at the very least, he's going to be an incredibly good defensive center fielder with above average range, elite speed, good throwing arm. I think he's going to be an impact player from that regard. And then at the plate, he was showing a lot of growing, um, a lot of signs of growth before obviously the pandemic happened. I think there's a chance that he can settle in as a decent hitter at the major league level. I don't know if he's ever going to be an above average hitter, but if he ends up being, you know, a strong defender at an up the middle position, runs the base as well, and is maybe like slightly below league average at the plate, we're talking about an everyday regular, like an impact type of player. And I'm just really excited to see him get some more at bats next season. Unfortunately, because of where the Angels are at right now in terms of needing to win, there is the shot that 
he gets traded this offseason. That's obviously just speculation on my part, but if you don't want to move Marsh, if you don't want to move Detmers, Adams is kind of that next obvious guy that you would try to move. So we'll see what happens. Wherever, you know, whatever happens for him, he is going to be, I think, a strong major league player. So those are really the main guys at the top, the guys that I feel pretty comfortable with saying that are going to be major leaguers in some sort of fashion, probably impact type of guys. So I'm going to kind of go a little quicker through the remaining guys. So the next group I want to look at is the high risk, high reward prospects. First up on that list for me, Chris Rodriguez. We did have an encouraging report come out recently from Baseball America that said Rodriguez threw roughly 60 to 65 innings at the alternate site this year. That's obviously a big deal. This guy was hurt a lot the previous two years, barely threw any pitches, uh, dealt with a couple of different injuries. But when this guy's on, there's a lot to like there. It's, you know, good build, throws a lot of strikes, has four pitches he can command. If things click for him, there's a chance that he's a number three starter. Like that is huge if he can get there, but there's a lot of risk. There's still a lot of uh, potential for him being a reliever. There's still the injury risk, so we'll see what happens. But the fact that he was pitching as many innings as he did at the alternate site is very big. So the next guys we're really looking at are guys like Jeremiah Jackson, really big swing, big power, lots of swing and miss, might be able to handle shortstop, maybe moves to second base, maybe center field. Interesting guy to follow. If he can cut down the strikeouts a little bit, I think there's something there, but this is a high risk, high reward type of prospect. Another high risk, high reward type of prospect is Kyron Paris. He was the second round pick in 2019. He was 17 years old when he was drafted, but there's a lot to like here. Really fast, projects to have above average power, above average hit tool, might be able to stay at shortstop. At Fangraphs, they think if things go well for him, he's going to be in a leadoff hitting middle infielder or center fielder. That's encouraging. Another guy, very young, Aero Vera is 18 years old. His highest level is in the Dominican Summer League, so he hasn't even made it over to rookie ball yet. So there is a long way to go, but there is a good amount to like here, but very, very high risk, high reward type of prospect. And going down the list uh, a little bit, you're going to look at other guys like William Holmes is the two-way player that they drafted out of high school. I'm not sure he's going to end up being a hitter, but on the mound, he is showing some characteristics that could end up making him a quality back-end type of starting pitcher. You've got some other guys. Alexander Ramirez has some big pop in the lower minors. Deshaun Knowles has a lot of speed. So those are kind of the high-risk, high-reward guys. If I'm going to tell you which guy is the best chance of making it to the majors, I would say Chris Rodriguez could possibly make an impact at the major league level in 2021. There's a lot of risk there, but there are encouraging reports about him. And then I wanted to touch on a couple of other guys. Hector Yon, lefty that throws in the mid-90s, could be a decent reliever. Jemai Jones, prospect status has definitely fallen off quite a bit. Still might be able to carve out a utility role. Garrett Stallings, Oliver Ortega, a couple of guys who might be able to fit in the bullpen in the next couple years for the Angels. And there are countless other players I could touch on, but that would take several episodes. So those are the guys I really wanted to touch on. Uh, but as a whole, this is a system that is definitely hurting. Beyond the top two or three guys, there is a lot of risk when you get past them. Brandon Marsh, Reed Detmers, Jordan Adams. I like those guys a lot, but 
a lot is riding on them being quality major leaguers or things are going to look uh, pretty bleak in a heartbeat. And because so many of these guys are high risk, high reward type of prospects who are in the lower levels of the minors, that means that there's not a ton of help that's on the way. And as a whole, it's a system that's hurting. And Billy Epler definitely did a lot to help the system, but I think it became pretty clear that there was a lot of problems finding depth guys in the draft, finding those 10th round, 15th round uh, types of gems in the draft, finding guys in the international playing pool. I'm definitely interested to see what new GM Perry Manassian decides to do with the farm system. There is something to be said for a new guy coming in and not having that type of attachment to your prospects. And I think that issue is further compounded by the fact that the Angels are really trying to win in the short term. There's a lot of uncertainty around the minor leagues right now, what the next season is going to look like. The entire player development system as a whole, I think there are a lot of ramifications that are going to happen from no minor league baseball being played last year. And I think some of those guys who are in the lower levels, maybe even the guys at the top levels who didn't get to play in as many games, that could end up hurting them in the long term. So I do think there could be a lot more movement than we expect from Manassian. But again, that's pure speculation. So I'm curious to see what he decides to do with the system. It's a system that is definitely near the bottom of the league, but it's not, you know, not all hope is lost. Brandon Marsh, Reed Detmers, Jordan Adams, Chris Rodriguez, Jeremiah Jackson. These are high quality guys. It's just a system that doesn't have a lot of depth beyond them. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Angels. As a reminder, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at bmags94 and you can find my written work at Crashing the Pearly Gates. So on Thursday's episode, we're going to have more of an idea of the non-tender situation. So in the episode, we're going to look at the Angels' specific situation, who they give contracts to, who they might not give contracts to, what that means for next season. And then I want to look at some of the guys who ended up getting non-tendered and guys that might be potential fits for the Angels in free agency. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Angels. As always, thank you for tuning in. Stay safe out there. We'll talk on Thursday for some Angels baseball.